Having said that, if you would open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2, I'm not going to reread the verses because uh, there, 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 there are several uh, verses there, but I want us to focus on Daniel chapter 2. We have been in Daniel for all of this month looking really at faith and in particular looking at courageous faith. And we have tracked Daniel uh, from the time he was kidnapped in Judah uh, till the time that he has risen to a, a powerful a leadership position in Babylon. We have tracked Daniel as he's gone from Babylonian leadership uh, to Medo-Persian leadership. And so Daniel spent the bulk of his life in exile in Babylon. And even though he was in a strange land, a foreign land, a heathen land, uh, Daniel prospers. And God is able to use him from the time he sets foot in Babylon until the time he dies. And there's a takeaway there from us that things may not be the way you want them to be. But you and God can be successful wherever you are if you put him first. So don't say what you can't do. Recognize that with God all things are possible. We've just got to trust and depend on him, and that's what we see with Daniel. Now, we have gone from Daniel chapter 1 all the way to Daniel chapter 5, and I, I told you as we were doing that that I was deliberately skipping chapter six, uh, chapter 2 because I wanted to come back to that because there, there, there's, some, there's just some teaching there that I just think uh, not only helps us with uh, our courageous faith, but it also helps us with understanding the Lord's kingdom that exists on earth today. And if you're a Christian, I need for you to understand you are in the kingdom of God. Uh, you're not in the kingdom of the United States. You're in the kingdom of God, and that kingdom takes priority over the fact that we live in Massachusetts, or you live in Rhode Island, or from whatever state you have come to uh, this worship service from. And so I want to use as a subject this day the courage to tell the truth, the courage to tell the truth. We, we're living at a time where folk just don't tell the truth. And I'm going to start from the top all the way down to the bottom. Uh, there is a lack of truth-telling in our country. We got folk that we have sent to Washington to represent us who are afraid to acknowledge that Joe Biden is a duly elected president of the United States. Now, something wrong. Whether you, whether you agree with him or not, whether you voted for him or not, he was elected president of the United States, and he will be there until his term is up. And if we can't face the truth of that, something is wrong. Uh, we got people who have been wrestling over this large uh, bill that they're trying to pass in Congress. Uh, and, and, and people campaign on how wonderful those things would be for our country, yet they can't come to an agreement to enact or pass the law. Something, something is wrong there. There is a lack of truth-telling even in our homes. There is too much unresolved conflict in our homes. There's too much conflict between husband and wife, between parents and children. There's too much conflict so our homes cannot be the, the haven of peace that it ought to be. Because if there's any place you ought to have peace at, it's in the place that you live. 
Now, you can deal with it on the job because you're only there for a few hours. But I don't know about you. When I go home, I want some peace. I don't need to go there and turn on my TV and watch my favorite TV program and occasionally put my feet up on the table and don't have nobody say nothing to me about it. So I ought to be able to have some peace in, in at home. And we ought to be able to tell, talk to each other in real talk at home. And we ought to be able to encourage each other. And sometimes we, we have to chastise each other in the home. But we do it out of a spirit of love, and we recognize that's for our well-being. There's a lack of truth-telling in our schools. There's all kind of stuff that is taught as if it's the truth. That isn't the truth. Now, let, let's go back old school. Now, some of you grew up at a time where God was talked about at school. Some of you grew up at a time where folk even prayed in the school before the school day started. What happened to those days? Where did those days go by? Where now you can't talk about God in school, but you can definitely talk about the devil. And you can talk about the practices of the devil in school. And there not be a problem. But you can't talk about spiritual things uh, without somebody saying you're trying to proselytize uh, a folk. Where is the truth telling in school? I know you're going to get your math and your science and your English and your spelling and geography and all that kind of stuff. But there are some truths, some greater truths about life that we used to be exposed to in our schools. There is a lack of truth telling in our churches. Now, if there's any place you ought to be able to get the word of God taught to you correctly, it is at the place that's called a church. It is a place where, where we're supposed to be worshiping and honoring God. The word of God ought to be front and center as it relates to whatever it is we do, whatever it is we teach there. But sometimes even in the, in the church, we don't tell each other the truth. Uh, we make each other feel good about doing nothing. Or we think we're faithful because we're doing busy work. You, you guys know you can't you do busy work on the job, but you can also do busy work at the church house. To, to, to avoid dealing with the real issues. And, and there's some times we need to tell some folks, you, you are just spiritually immature. I, I love you, I care about you, and you may have been born in the church, but you are still spiritually immature. Then you need to change how you live in your life. Okay, you don't like that. You need to stop dating that boy or that girl you dating. You are in the spiritual shape you're in because of the friends you keep. And you know, sometimes when you say things like that, you guys want to fight. You want to talk about a person. You want to run away, go someplace else where folk won't tell you the truth about yourself. And then you, get, you go off and marry that person, and it gets to chaos. And you won't come back and acknowledge, brother and sister, I should have listened to you. So we need to have the courage to tell the truth. Anybody ever ask you, well, how do I look? And this outfit or this hairstyle or, you know, anybody ever had anybody ask you that? Now, you knew what you ought to say. But did you tell them that? 
Or did you sugarcoat it? Okay, you don't get that. Uh, brothers, sometimes your wife asks you, how is this food I cooked? Now you know what you ought to say. But you wanted to cook another day too. Now I know, I know we have some men who cook and, and, we, and we ask our wives, you know, what do we cook, what not. But for the most part, it's a wife who cooks and, and you know, she asks her husband, you know, what, what do you think about uh, that? And, and those are moments where you are challenged to tell the truth, even if the person on the other end is going to get upset and mad at you. If we can't be honest in small situations like that, how honest are we going to be in the larger situations of life? In our text in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel comes face to face with a king who has already declared, I'm going to kill every wise man in the city if nobody can tell me what my dream is about. And Daniel has to exist in that kind of environment and go and talk to the king and tell him information he may not want to hear. Sometimes we are afraid to tell people the truth because we're afraid of what's going to happen to me. Instead of recognizing if God is on your side, you don't have anything to worry about. And I hope one of the lessons that we're pulling from all of this information we're talking, studying as it relates to Daniel is that when God is on your side, you're in good hands. Better hands than what Allstate. <laughs> Some of you got Allstate insurance. You, know, you see the commercials like I do. But God's hands are better than Allstate's. And, and, and since his hands are, we need to trust him more. Now, as our chapter opens up, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has had a bad dream, and he can't sleep. Uh, anybody ever been in that situation? Uh, you've had some dreams that have kept you up at night. You've been tossing and turning. You're restless, uh, trying to figure out, now, why am I dreaming this? And especially if you have the same dream or similar dream multiple nights. Now, I don't know if you're like me, uh, generally I can trace my dreams back to something I've been thinking about, worried about, or something I saw on TV. Now, come on, some of you who are afraid to look at horror movies, you know you have problems sleeping because you think the boogeyman is going to come and get you. Which is why some of you have no business watching horror movies in the evening time. But Nebuchadnezzar has a, has a dream and he can't figure it out. And so the text will say he's tossing and turning. He's restless because he's vexed by the dream. And as we've seen with him, he, he sends out for his astrologers, his soothsayers, his magicians to tell him what this dream is. That's where the problem is. He wants them to tell him what he dreamed, or what he dreamt, and then to tell him the significance of that. Now that's a whole lot. 
Maybe they can give you the significance of the dream after you tell them what you've been dreaming, but for them to have to come up with what it is you, you, you dreamt about and stuff like that, that's going to take somebody with some significant ability. And we learn in the chapter, Daniel is a man for the job. And so the king summons all of his uh, wise men, and they can't do it. And so he's upset, he's mad because he can't sleep, and he's puzzled and troubled by this dream. So as he assembles his wise men, they can't help him. They can't help him. Uh, one of the men say, there, there's no man on earth who can do this. And he was right. There was no man on earth. There's no human that could do this. But in verses 14 through 24, uh, we recognize Daniel can. Now, Daniel can not because of any ability he has. Daniel can because of his God, who gifts him with the ability to interpret dreams. Now, what you'll see in those verses is as Daniel uh, spends time in prayer, Daniel asks his three faithful friends to pray with him. We've said over and over as we've gone through Daniel is it is helpful to have some Christian friends in your life so that when trouble comes on, you have somebody you can talk to and you can trust their judgment. Because they think like you think. Their priorities are the same as yours. And so as Daniel understands what needs to be done, he goes and gets his three Hebrew friends, and they ask God for help with this assignment. Because the king has already decreed, I'm going to kill all the wise men. Now, that includes Daniel and his three friends. So they're, they're on the executioner's list also. God uses Daniel to help this heathen king to understand some truths that we all need to understand. And ultimately what we see in the, 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 the dream is that God helps Nebuchadnezzar to understand God has enabled you to be where you are. Not your military might. And too many times, we, we ascend to positions of authority or responsibility, and we forget that God is the one who allowed you to get there. You got this high-ranking uh, position on your job. God put you there. Now, you recognize he put you there for a reason. You may not be uh, living out the reason he put you there for, but God put you there. So question, when you have an important task to do, what do you do? The lesson from Daniel is uh, he had an important task to do, and the first thing he does is pray. How many decisions have you made and you didn't pray about them? How many decisions you made you didn't pray about that turned into a fiasco? How many decisions you made that negatively impacted you and the folk around you because you did not trust God to help in the situation? We are good at doing our own things, messing up, and then wanting God to get us out of the ditch. When are we going to learn, talk to God first, and you won't end up in the ditch? So as people of God, we need to be reminded over and over again, God is the one who has control, not us. Go to him first. Because we will go to him after we have exhausted 
all other resources, and we've talked to everybody else about the situation. When if we start with God, you don't have to talk to all those other folk. And you don't have to waste energy on stuff that's not going to get you anywhere. So the next time you got to make an important decision, the next time you want to go out on a job interview, the next time you are considering how can I possibly raise this child in a God-honoring way, the next time you want to uh, make a decision on who you're going to marry, talk to God first. And if you need proof that you need to talk to God first, look at the decision other folk have made. Look at the decisions. Uh, look at the situation they're in. And it ought to drive you to want to talk to God. So when we get to verses 25 through 27, Daniel is brought to the king. Because it has been brought to the king's attention, there is a man named Daniel who has the ability to interpret dreams, who has this ability uh, to be able to see some things that nobody else can see. And Daniel reminds him again, your wise men can't help you. Some of us need to recognize these friends that we always seem to call for advice, they got too many problems of their own that they can't fix. I'm always amazed at how it is we want to go to folk and get advice from them and they can't even deal with their own stuff. And part of the reason we do that is that we want somebody to tell us what we want to hear. You, you know your friends, you know they're pretty much going to tell you what they, what they think you want to hear. We need somebody to tell us the truth. Knowing that we probably are not going to like it. That we probably are going to get upset. But the truth is the truth. I believe I remember reading somewhere that the truth will set you free. Lies will imprison you. So if we really want to be free, if we want, really want freedom, learn how to accept the truth. Uh, a, a couple of months ago, I had you guys do this assignment, uh, and some of you did it, and some of you, I'm sure, haven't done it, but you're going to do it. You're just taking a long time to do it. I said, talk to somebody who knows you and get them to assess you spiritually. Anybody remember that? Now, I know uh, from just some of the people that shared with me their experiences that some of you got hot under the collar. Because you have a false sense of who you are based on only getting feedback from yourself. <laughs> now, when you talk to somebody who sees you, who observes you, who listens to you, they're simply telling you what comes out of your mouth and the behavior that you exhibit in front of them. They don't have no ulterior motive. They're simply just going to make some observations. You and I need to recognize every now and then you ought to want somebody to tell you the truth. You ought to want somebody to give you some guidance for future decisions. You've already messed up the stuff in the past. You ought to want somebody to help you moving forward so you get out of this hole so that you don't keep on going on this merry-go-round. So Daniel comes before the king. And I like what Daniel says in verses 28, 29. There's a God in heaven who has the ability to reveal the secrets of your dream. It is this God who knows 
the future. So one of the things that, that God is trying to get to the people in the book of Daniel for them to understand is that God is in control of the future. See, those of you who are still scared of COVID, God is in control of COVID. Those of you who are afraid to get your, your vaccination or your booster or whatever, God is in control of this situation. And every now and then, God comes and tests the whole world to remind the world there is a God in heaven that you've been relying on presidents and kings and princes and prime ministers and CDC and all these other people to give you guidance. There's somebody wiser and greater than them. And so Daniel helps the king to understand, I know you're worried about what you've been dreaming because you, you can't make sense of it. You're concerned about your kingdom. So Nebuchadnezzar's problem was he was concerned about what's going to happen to me in the future. What's going to happen to my legacy? What's going to happen to this, this kingdom that I'm a part of? Uh, and some of you worried about what's going to happen to me when I get old. Is there going to be anybody around to help take care of me in my senior years? Will my children be around? I need for you to understand, invest in a relationship with God right now. And there'll be somebody down the line who can assist you, whether it's family, friend, or congregation. You will not be left by yourself. But if you ignore God now, don't be surprised at the consequences later on. So the king is, is bothered. He can't sleep. He's worried. Verse number 30, Daniel says the following. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who, have, who make known the interpretation of the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So Daniel says, in essence, it's really not about me. It's about the God that I serve. It's about the God that I believe. He's going to use me to bless you. Now Daniel blesses the king. He gives him the understanding of his dream. He gives him relief. And you'll see at the end of the chapter, and if you haven't read the chapter, the king praises Daniel, and he praises Daniel's God. Now, he's still a heathen. He's, he's still a, even a heathen, even a non-Christian will acknowledge God in certain situations. Now, they're going to go back to doing what they were doing. But God is glorified in that moment from the lips of that person. So Daniel is just a vessel to be used for God's glory. Uh, and, and I need to remind us, you and I need to be willing to be vessels, instruments to be used for God's glory, not our own glory. I know it's nice every now and then people give you compliments and pat you on the back and say all this, that, whatever. But you know you're not all that. You know that. And really the people who are telling you that, they know it also. They're just flattering you for a moment. You know, people love to put you on a pedestal and then cut it from under you and let you fall. You know that. So be wise if every time people come around you, they're always flattering you. You know you're not the most beautiful woman in the world. I know you want to hear it and it makes you feel good, but you know it's not the truth. You're not the most handsomest man in the whole world. I know it makes you feel good, but be real. There are not many of you fellows that got six-packs up in here. 
No matter how much gym time you have. But, but, but we'll, we'll get caught up. We'll just get caught up in all the adoration. But, and we'll miss some stuff. I, I appreciate what you're saying about me, but I know who I am. And I know I'm still dirt. You guys do know that God scooped us from dirt and made you. And dirt's going back to the dirt in a few years. Even if we cremate you, you're still going back to the dirt. So Daniel reminds us we're vessels to be used by God wherever we find ourselves. And too many times we want to be used by God in easy environments where everything is happy, everything is going my way. But you can be used by God even in the midst of trouble. Even in the midst of being at a workplace where there's just constant turmoil going on. Even in a household where it looks one way on the outside, but it's chaos on the inside. You can still be a vessel that honors God. And I hope all of us strive to be vessels that God can use, no matter where we find ourselves. Now, in order for that to happen, you and I, need to have a love affair with the truth. You, you need to value people always telling you the truth. No matter how much it stings, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much it disappoints you. You can always remember the truth. It's the lies that get us into trouble that you can't remember what you said. You guys have tried that. You know that. If you tell the truth, it's always, for the most part, come out at the same time. But if you told this lie, you got to remember that lie to cover up the next lie. Now, unless your daddy is the devil, who's the father of lies, you ought not be comfortable lying. Now, if he's your daddy, then that's a whole other story. So Daniel, Daniel says, okay, king, let me give you the details of your dream. And he starts that in verse number 31. And so the king sees this great statue, head made of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, irons, legs of iron, feet partly of iron and clay mixture. And he sees these great, this great image. Uh, Starts out with gold on the top, and it goes down to all these other uh, precious metals. And it behooves him. But even though he sees these great metals, he sees this little rock that comes out of nowhere. That, that, that does not look like anything at the moment, but it comes in and strikes the feet of this statue. And it all falls down. And what he sees is that another kingdom gets established. And the king uh, does not understand what all this means. But Daniel is telling him the content of his dream. And so when we get to verse number 36, Daniel now tells him what this dream is all about. He says, king, you are the head of gold. Now, the king would have loved this. 
precious metal, it's important metal, uh, it's, it's important metal, it's a precious metal. Hey, you're on top of your game now. But then he has to break down the bad news. But you're going to be replaced. Folk want to hear you say, oh, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, we've never uh, seen it this way. You're the best thing that happened to our company and all that kind of stuff. But you're going to be replaced. Never get so big-headed that you don't recognize you're going to either be fired, you're going to resign, or you're going to die. You will be replaced. These folk will act like, you know, we can't get along without you. Get fired, resign, or die, and you'll see they will get along fine without you. Which is why you need to be careful when you put all your loyalty and all your energy into this stuff and you neglect the greater things of life. So king, you're in charge right now. And you're in, uh, based on the statue, you're at, you're at the head of it. But you're going to be replaced. You're going to die. And somebody's going to come in and conquer you. Now, would you want to hear that kind of news? You're the CEO, you're the supervisor, or you're the church leader, or you're whatever position. Somebody says, you're it for right now, but in a few years, we're going to have somebody else in that slot. You and I need to recognize that's going to happen anyways. So don't live like it's not going to happen. I am the preacher of this congregation today. I think it's October 31st. But I recognize that's not always going to be the case. You need to recognize it's not always going to be the case. So don't lock so much on Maurice that you can't appreciate whoever the next person God sends up in here. Because that becomes a problem with congregation. You're so caught up in this preacher, you try to make the next one measure up to that person. They can't do it. They're not the same person. You need to look for the skill set that you need in the person. But don't try and clone them. And so when we get to verses 37 through 44, Daniel gives a little bit even more insight uh, on the kingdom. And so we recognize that the head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian captivity. Uh, the breasts and arms of silver, Medo-Persian kingdom. The belly and the thighs of bronze, the Grecian kingdom. Legs of iron and feet of iron and clay, the Roman empire. Now, one of the things I like about all this is you can go to history book. And you'll see these kingdoms fell in line like this. So for those people who don't believe the Bible and think it's just a group of myth, you, you can find history on this one. Which ought to help solidify the fact that the Bible gives an accurate representation of history. So we're not doubting the Bible, doubting the scriptures on things. Now, again, when you look at these kingdoms, you go from a greater metal to an inferior one. So while some of these kingdoms were more powerful than others, at the core they were weaker. So you can have a group that looks strong in terms of numbers, but it's just weak. You can have a large congregation of a thousand people, but no spirituality there. They just gather for a service and then go home. There's no life there. And, and so I, I want to encourage you, be careful about evaluating uh, groups and things like that based on showy stuff. 
Where's the character? Where, where, where's, the, where's the real content? Because too many times we want to go with the showy, the thing that uh, catches our attention, the, the flashy stuff. All that glitters is not gold. I started to say ain't gold, but that's not good English. But it gets the point across. And, and so one of the things that we learn about these kingdoms is that they, they all ended. They all ended. They were all uh, overcome. They were all taken captive. They all were destructed. And, and some of them were uh, destroyed internally because of division, uh, because of lack of leadership, and a whole bunch of other kinds of things that worked to their detriment. But all of them were going to end. But Daniel Dream said, but there's another kingdom that's going to destroy all of these, that's going to break them down and, and really turn them into dust. The final kingdom that we read about in Daniel 2.44 is the kingdom of Jesus. The kingdom of Christ, his church. You remember in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, where it talks about the indestructibility of the kingdom? The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So this final kingdom is the Lord's kingdom. It is his church. And the text helps us understand this kingdom will outlast all those other kingdoms. Uh, this kingdom will destroy all those other kingdoms. Uh, the, the kingdom of Jesus, the church, has the ability and is so designed to be greater than all those other kingdoms, and to have staying power. This kingdom does not have rulers that die every few years, and you've got to find another one. Uh, you do know there, there, there's a group that every, every so often uh, their leader dies, and they've got to go into a room, and we've got to look for the white smoke uh, to come out of the chimney uh, to determine if, if they've selected another leader. You guys don't watch CNN. But, but when it happens again, uh, you'll see the same process uh, go on there. The text helps us understand this kingdom will stand forever. And Daniel has the courage to tell Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is going to end. And even the kingdoms that follow you won't survive. They're going to end. But there's going to be another kingdom that's going to pop up and it's not even going to look like any of these other kingdoms. It won't be glamorous. But it's going to be more powerful than them. And it is in this discussion that Daniel tells the king the truth about himself and about the future. I need for you and I to understand because we're members of this kingdom is that you and I have been called to stand up and tell people the truth about the kingdom of God. Just like Daniel stands flat-footed and explains to the king about what's going to happen to him and what's going to happen to his kingdom and the ones that fall after, you and I need to have the courage to tell people that the kingdom that now exists is the kingdom of Jesus. It's the kingdom of God it is also called the church and not back down from that because that's the kingdom that is on the throne right now 
and will be there until the end of time. Now, as members of this kingdom, there are some truths that we need to be willing to tell people. Let me just give you four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Just, just a few of them. One of, the, one of the truths that you and I need to be willing to tell people is that Jesus died to establish one church. Not the three or four hundred that you see uh, in the world today. He only died for one of them. These others are counterfeits. These, these others mimic his church. And yes, you have good people who are part of them, but that group is not his group. And we need to have the courage to tell people that. Now, you're going to have to explain that so people understand it because they're not going to know the history. They're not going to know the background. All they're going to know is that this has always been the way it is since I've been alive. And so we're going to have to go to some history. We're going to have to go back to the scriptures and say, but there was a time. When, when God started this thing, the intent was one kingdom. You need to help people to understand, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus, you must be baptized. You've you got to be baptized to be a part of this kingdom. And you just can't show up and say, oh, I'm a part of the kingdom. Because in our world today, that's what people do. They just show up and say, I'm a part of the kingdom. I've been a part of religious groups all my life, and this is just another religious group, and so I'm going to show up like I think I can. And somebody's got to say, I appreciate what you have gone through, but this is a different place. At this place, the king rules, not the world. And, and so there's some things we must do simply because the king has said to us. you got to help people to understand in the kingdom, we gather for worship on Sunday. Not on Saturday, not on Friday. But the king has, has, has delegated Sunday as a designated day for worship. And all people who are citizens of the kingdom, we come together on Sunday. We may be at different places, but we come together to worship our king on Sunday. Now tighten your belt here. You've got to help people to understand that in, in, in the kingdom of Jesus... God made us male and female. He, he didn't give you the opportunity to pick what you want to be. He didn't give you the opportunity to say, well, I'm binary, and I'm this, and I'm that. And if I don't want to be identified as either group, I, I can just say I'm, I'm, I'm neither. That doesn't exist in the kingdom. Now, in the world, it exists. But that's where we got to start drawing the contrast between the kingdom of God and the world. Help people to understand that in God's kingdom, God cares who you marry. In the, in the world, you can marry somebody who looks like you, walks like you, dress like you. In the world, in God's kingdom, you can't do that. I need to be more specific. Uh, in God's kingdom, there's no gay marriage. There is no accepting homosexuals and letting them lead the church or preach in the church. In God's kingdom. Now, you can find that out in the kingdom in the world. In God's kingdom, God cares how you live your life. 
He cares that you don't honor him with the way you conduct your life or your business. Out in the world, folk don't care about that. It's Wild West. Do anything you big and bad that you can do. Not so in the kingdom. And so our problem many times is we, we have such an, an allegiance to the world's kingdom that it is hard for us to accept clear teachings of scripture that tells us how God wants us to live in the kingdom. And maybe that's why many of us don't come to Bible class. Because we don't want to be taught that. We just want to uh, believe what we want to believe and practice what we want to believe. Well, if you, if you think like that, then what you may discover when you die and when you wake up from when you have died, that you're not where you thought you were going. So in the kingdom of Jesus, uh, there is the teaching that there is a heaven and a hell. And they are both places prepared for folk to live eternally there. One will live in eternal worship to God. Another will live in a place of eternal torment. But you're going to live eternally somewhere. And so in the kingdom of God, we regularly talk about this because we recognize just because you're in the kingdom of God today does not mean you'll be here tomorrow based on the choices that we make. There are some truths that you and I need to feel comfortable saying to people. And it's not that we are mean, harsh, and unloving, but you and I need to help people to understand this everlasting kingdom. Now, in your communication with people, in your relationships with them, in the course of time, you ought to be able to talk about some of these things. Just like you talk about everything else. And I'm not advocating the moment you meet a person, you just start going down the list. No, 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 you need to, you need to develop a relationship with the person. You need to know uh, the truths of the kingdom, but you also need to know how to express it to somebody. And our problem many times in the past has been, while we knew the truths of the kingdom, we didn't know how to express it to people. We didn't know how to teach them. And so we pushed people away from the kingdom instead of drawing them closer to the kingdom. Because the king wants willing participants in his kingdom. And the king is not concerned about numbers. We get concerned about numbers. The king is concerned about converted hearts. Because the king understands you're not going to serve me if you are not ready to transition out of the world into my kingdom. So as long as you want to keep one foot in the world and another foot uh, in the kingdom, you have problems. The same kind of courage that Daniel has in telling King Nebuchadnezzar the truth about his kingdom, you and I need to have courage, knowledge, and love to tell other people about that. Let's love people into the kingdom. 
That's a different strategy for some of us. But it's a strategy that works. But you've got to be patient. And as you're working with somebody, you've got to be what you're trying to tell other folks they ought to be. I think I said something there. Because part of our problem is we're good at telling people the truths of the kingdom, but we're horrible at living them. You guys ready for this fellowship meal, so let me end this. <laughs> Thought I'd forgotten about. I can hear the bellies growling already. I, got, I, I can hear from up here. So, so give me another five minutes, and then uh, maybe I'll be finished. First thought, first thought is, you and I need to recognize that only God controls everything. We got folk who talk like they run stuff, but the only thing they run is their mouth. God is the one who controls everything. And since he's the one who controls everything, it behooves us to get close to God. You want to be close to the man? Get close to God. Everything that happens, he superintends. Nothing happens. With, God does not get surprised by stuff like we do. So recognize that, which is another reason, get close to him. Secondly, the truth is what God says it is. So guess what? If you want to know the truth, open this up. And commit yourself to reading it and studying it on a regular basis to understand the truths of Scripture. We want quick answers to difficult questions. And the world will give you that. But the problem is, it's wrong. The world will tell you stuff just, for you, just so you can feel good for the moment. But in the long run, you got to keep wrestling with that. So the truth is what we read in Scripture. That's why you check everything anybody says. So one of the things that we ought to do when we're in worship service, we're in Bible class, make some notes. Go back and check in Scripture to make sure what the teacher or preacher said is there. If you discover it is not there, go talk to him. One of the things that I appreciated uh, the most when I uh, was new to the church is that you could ask questions about anything that was taught in the Bible class or anything that was said in the sermon. I did not grow up hearing that. So I asked some questions because I wanted to know. We've gotten so lackadaisical today, we don't ask no kind of questions that make sense. We will ask a whole lot of questions. They're trying to show the teacher that you know more than he does. We'll ask a whole lot of questions where you're trying to co-teach with him. But we won't ask questions so I, I can better understand what you have just said about the word. Which is why teachers can never really finish their lessons because everybody wants to make comments. But you haven't studied nothing. Nor have you lived what you're saying. That's trying to help you. A, a, a good teacher or preacher who preaches and teaches to the same group of people all the time, you know them folk. You know the folk that are living right, and you know the ones that aren't living right. You know the ones that study the Bible, and you know the ones that don't study the Bible. You know the ones that are going to be on here on time, and you know the whole group that's going to be late there all the time. And we don't waste time talking about that every time we gather. You just know that. So you consider the source 
when stuff happens or when people tell you stuff. So, so, so know uh, that I see you when you're strolling here late and the ushers got to try and find a seat for you. Especially when you do it all the time. Now that's just an aside, just to help you recognize. One of the benefits of standing up here is that you see everything that's happening. You see everybody who comes from that corner there. It's the truth, you do. You're trying to ease up in here and all that kind of stuff. And whereas the people who are looking at me, they don't see you, I see you. And then I have to keep my composure as I'm dealing with the lesson as I see you coming in. Sometimes it's Bible school teachers coming in late. Sometimes it's a song leader coming in late. Sometimes it's a ministry leader creeping up in here. Let me get back to my lesson. The church is the everlasting kingdom. If you want to be in relationship to the king eternally, become a part of his church, the kingdom. And the final thought, let's be truth tellers. So if we can start learning how to tell the truth in small matters. So I'll say this, do not ask me what I think about this, that, or the other related to you if you don't want to hear the truth. Don't, don't ask me. You can ask somebody else. Don't ask me how your food tastes if you don't want somebody to tell you. If it tastes nasty, I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to do that. You can get mad at me all day long. Uh, I, my mama taught me how to cook. So whereas I don't do a whole lot of cooking now, I can go in the kitchen and burn some stuff now. So I haven't forgotten those skills. I just don't use them like I used to. But let's learn how to tell each other the truth. And so when you're trying to teach somebody the gospel, when you're trying to teach them about Jesus, tell them the truth about what Scripture says. Be kind, be considerate, but don't water it down. Because what you tell them on the front end impacts them on their journey. And if we're not telling people the truth about what it takes to be faithful to the king, they're going to have some rude awakenings when they start reading scripture for themselves and hearing some things, which is why people will get upset and offended in a sermon, because they're hearing some things that nobody else has said to them before. So let's do the loving thing, and let's tell people the truth. I appreciate so much what we have gleaned from Daniel's life and the life of his three Hebrew friends. And the thing that is resounding is we need to have courage to do what God has called us to do, no matter where we are. If we can do that, we can turn this city, this state, upside down. We can do it. Not one person. We can do it. Because all of us collectively, we, we encounter a whole lot of people on a daily basis. The next time you're in a religious discussion with somebody, make sure you tell them the truth. Don't be silent when you know what they're saying is false. It's a misinterpretation of 
God's word right in front of you, you're getting silent consent to that. And you're going to have to give an account for that. Courage to tell people the truth does not mean telling folk off. One of the things that we've learned from Daniel is Daniel found the words. When you talk to the king, when you talk to the guy who was sent to execute people, when he talked to the Hebrew boys, even when he talked to those people in chapter 6 who were setting him up to throw in, be thrown in the lion's den. He knew how to talk to people. One of the gifts we need to cultivate is how to talk to people about the word of God. Now, you cultivate that gift in your home as you read and study this and you try and explain it to your kinfolk. Let's learn how to practice some of this stuff at home. So if parents are teaching your children, you're practicing it. As you're talking with your children and then they're sharing back with you what they are hearing, you're practicing this. So that when the time comes that you have the opportunity to share this truth with other people, it's second nature. You don't have to be wondering, well, did I say it right or did this? Daniel had confidence when he spoke up. You know why he had confidence? He knew God. And if you know God, there's, there's a boldness, there's a confidence that comes from that where you can put your notes down. You know, I'll have notes up here with me when I do my lesson, uh, but truth be told, I can get up these lessons without the notes. You know why? Because I studied the material. Uh, the notes just help me to stay focused. That's, that's what they're there to keep me focused. Uh, because you can get up here and God gives you a whole lot of thoughts that come up. But you guys don't want to stay here no two hours. So I, I have to maintain my focus. And so I, I said five minutes and we passed five minutes. Uh, and I know if nobody else is clocking me, you are. So let me, let me bring, this, bring this lesson to a close. If you're here, if you're here and you have not had the courage to tell people the truth, I hope something has been said that will cause you to recognize you need to change that. Be truthful. Because the reality is if you're not telling folks the truth, you're lying. And we don't think of ourselves as liars, but if you're not telling folks the truth, you are lying. Half truth is still a lie. So with God, God will give you the ability and he'll give you the words and he will even give you the opportunity. Tell people the truth. But you got to trust it. If you're in our audience and you're not a part of God's kingdom, you're not a Christian, we are thankful that God brought you to us today. And we're hoping that something has been said that will draw you closer to God, that will make you want to investigate him more. And even if you have questions after we end this service, uh, if you can't talk to me, we got a whole bunch of other folk in here who know the truths of Scripture who will be happy to sit down and talk with you about your questions uh, because we want you to be in relationship with God like we are. But there may be those who are here and you're ready to be added to the body of Christ. You're ready to put Christ on in baptism. You're ready uh, to acknowledge Jesus as God's son. And we want to give you the opportunity to put Christ on in baptism this day. And it starts simply with you acknowledging that I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And then being willing to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sin, and God adds you to his spiritual family, his 
kingdom, the church. Once you're part of the kingdom, once you're part of the church, live faithful to the best of your ability. And as you start growing in the faith, you'll begin to see there's a whole new, a better way of living than what you thought before. If you need to respond to the invitation, please do so as we stand and sing.